Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Colony Drop, a Gundam podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Isaac. This is your favorite Gundam podcast where we talk about anything and everything that's related to Gundam, whether that's the music, like the intros, the outros, Gunpla, anime series, manga, or even Gundam movies. Isn't that right, Brian? That's right. And that would include the very first Gundam live action movie known as G-Savior, Isaac. Oh boy, G-Savior. Brian, we encountered G-Savior back when we were wee little lads in the uh, the, <laughs> er, the the new millennium. And then I believe we both watched it separately and it stayed in our memory as kind of like a, a bad memory. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we've decided, you know what, now's the time to re-examine it here at Hall- right, uh, about a week before Halloween because it's kind of <laughs> scary. <laughs> It's it's also like another movie masquerading as Gundam when it could maybe even be a different movie. Doesn't necessarily yeah. even have to be a Gundam movie. I, but. I would say it would be a better movie if they replaced the Gundams with I don't know, <laughs> call them uh, bot fighters or something. You <laughs> yeah, know, you but go. yeah, this is this is appropriate for Halloween a bit I think because or at least a month for Halloween because it's scary that this was approved pushed out by sunrise no less this isn't some license thing sunrise got together and decided to do this and that just goes to show that um sunrise swings but they don't always get a home run hey you know i guess you gotta try right so yeah let's let's look at some of the background facts here isaac so g savior is a film it was released theatrically in japan in june 1999 and then broadcast on japanese tv in december of 2000 and then it was around here on dvd isaac in probably what 2002 three ish Sounds about we, right. That's that's about when we would have bought it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When we had to go down to Suncoast and uh, yeah. <laughs> ask the guy, like, "Hey, do you have any? Do you have G Savior? I hear it's <laughs> I hear it's great. I hear it's the only live action Gundam movie." <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really excited, Isaac, because both of us owned the G Savior DVD at one point, I believe. Right. Yeah. Before I I liquidated my DVD holdings. Now that we're yeah. in the world of uh, uh, what, what do you call it? It's uh, stream anchors away or ahoy mateys. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me mostly. <laughs> One Piece calls it the Great Age of uh, Pirates. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, I'm I'm out in the high seas on the the King Space Pig. <laughs> <laughs> but I also have misplaced my G Saver DVD. Probably donated it to the library. Those poor saps. <laughs> Some poor child is watching G Saver. <laughs> I was not able to test your theory about how long DVDs last. I was excited. I thought we were going to get a chance to to test that out. Yeah. Uh, But, so in terms of availability, it is available on DVD if you want to find the old, old release. 20 years old now. Good luck. Or you can just type it into YouTube, and it's literally the first result. Sunrise is making no attempt to take it down. (laughs) I don't think they care at this point. They also don't sell it on Blu-ray, so I don't think they really want you to watch it we've discussed this before i'm, I'm curious about the youtube content creator the, or uploader i should say who decided to upload it like is he a big fan or was this more a case of putting something out that's like just absurd and kind of painful for other people to see <laughs> i get the sense that his channel is dedicated to just uploading old forgotten bargain bin movies that no one really oh, wow aren't really distributed anymore well we haven't forgotten g savior no matter how much we wish we could forget g savior <laughs> That's right. So here's the logline, Isaac, from our favorite book, Gunnam the Official Guide. After two centuries of domination, the despised Earth Federation has fallen at last, and now new powers are struggling for control. The artificial habitats that house most of the human race have shaken off their colonial past and now proudly proclaim themselves to be independent settlements. But in this new era of political intrigue and food shortages, the fight for humanity's future has only just begun. 
this movie-like <laughs> production combines live-action human actors with computer graphic robots and tapping the talents of a joint U.S. and Japanese production staff. While the end is somewhat awkward, it's not the muddled failure one might expect. The production's chief shortcoming is its poorly explained backstory, which is fleshed out in a series of Japanese-only audio dramas. So Isaac, uh, I didn't realize this, but G. Savior was actually, it was supposed to be the centerpiece of this project called the Gundam Big Bang Project, with, along with Turn A Gundam, to celebrate the 20th anniversary you know, of Gundam. Back then, it would, Gundam was about 20 years old. How could this be the centerpiece standing next to Turn A? <laughs> that is insane. I think they were just trying everything. They were just throwing everything at the wall. You know, they had Tomino coming okay. back for Turn A. G. Savior actually apparently p- began production in 1995. And Tamino was not involved with G-Saver, obviously. But that also kind of makes sense, right? Because in 1995, he would have just been coming off Victory Gundam, which I don't think he really wanted to do much Gundam after that. Obviously, he had to, you know, they waited all the way till turn A, probably five, six years later for him to come back. <laughs> and this is the result. This is what you follow up G- Victory <laughs> Gundam with. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But it also, in addition to this movie, Isaac, it had a novel, it had a radio drama, there was a video game, and there was a manga. Oh, and the video game actually goes past the film. So it actually even ah. goes further in the timeline. The p- video game was actually the first Gundam game released for PS2. I see. Okay. Well, I don't want to sound like a broken record since I often make this comment, um, but it seems like there was an initial vision for what this movie should be that was very different than the end result. And maybe they want it to be a bigger production or something like that, really kind of kick off live action Gundam and that's not what happened (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean it was pretty ambitious I guess but it was also very I mean it's a short movie right it's about 90 minutes or so not much longer than 90 minutes and that includes some credits and some credits at the front and the back those those front credits Isaac were pretty long to be honest (laughs) but but did you enjoy the the G Savior flying by and blowing up the title (laughs) I did. That was pretty epic. I mean, it felt very PlayStation intro. (laughs) Oh, 100%. Also, did you notice that it does not use the word Gundam in the title or in the show? So you would be forgiven if you didn't know that this was a Gundam movie. That's a perfect point. Yeah, they've just reduced it to G. (laughs) They do talk about the Universal Century. Uh, They do mention maybe the Earth Federation a little bit. I think maybe in that opening background wording. But beyond that, it's all consent, everything else. They do talk about sides, but I mean, if you don't really know that, you really wouldn't know what the hell this is. Yeah, if you just turn this on, you'd be like, oh, this is some bad sci-fi channel production or something from the late 90s that they decided to, to, to upload. I shouldn't say bad. It's For the 90s, this would have been... I w- do I want to say high quality? It'd be good quality in terms I of think like, it's... <laughs> yeah, the the computer generated graphics, you know, they haven't aged well, but back in the day, I'm sure these, these blew people's minds, you know, people were like, <laughs> oh, this is pretty impressive. The story and the writing and all that, and especially how it fits into Gundam, no, not at all. But I mean, it doesn't look too cheap, I'd say. Yeah, I think back in the day, it probably looked better. I think it has not yeah. aged well, particularly in certain parts and particularly on the mobile suit combat. Yeah. The worst shot of the movie, I think, was when they did that sweeping colony shot, uh, like inside the oh. colony. That was just, that was really bad. That was yeah. like watching the 90s Spider-Man intro uh, on the, <laughs> the cartoon. That was that was 90s RTS explaining yeah. like the map that you're going to be fighting on. <laughs> <laughs> but I think your comparison is absolutely right. This movie feels exactly like watching a sci-fi original movie. And I don't even know if they make those anymore, but may- back in the 90s and the 
in the 2000s, mm-hmm. they made these lower budget original movies for the sci-fi channel and this oh. feels exactly <laughs> like one of those oh they'd pump them out like <laughs> they had like a whole industry just built around getting those like once a month you know just oh absolutely so the, uh, the little the little nerd dumb and geek them can can enjoy something interesting and fresh not necessarily good but <laughs> but yeah new. they were they were fun to watch right they weren't oh God. what you would call great cinema no. but they were they were good time wasters you know back in the day when people did that yeah, I don't, it was a perfect way to like kill time on the weekend, or I don't right. know, sometimes even after school or something. You know, SS oh, yeah. Doom Trooper. Um. <laughs> yeah, did you did you have? Because I have a favorite one. Did you have a favorite sci-fi originalizer? Oh, there's this. I think it's. Oh God, what was it called? The Blood of Vampires or something like that. Um, that was a really good one that that still brings us laughs. Oh, Yeti. Yeti's probably my favorite because it has a, <laughs> a scene where the Yeti. He's attacking a man, right? And he rips off his leg, and then he beats him with his own leg. <laughs> oh, nice! <laughs> How about you, Brian? What was your favorite in the long, yeah. the long history no. of sci-fi original movies? I liked any of them that had Dean Cain in them, but I also wow. two of them really come to mind. I don't even remember their names, what the f- titles of them were. But one of them was where a guy had to fight. They were essentially fighting Dracula or some vampire, and the climax of the movie was you know your hero versus versus dracula and dracula was standing underneath a spire and uh, our hero had nothing he didn't he had no way to kill dracula he, had, he did have a sword and the climax of the movie was uh, dracula said something something like you know you can't defeat me and the guy said i'll never forget his line he said it's a good thing i know geometry and he threw his sword <laughs> up at the ceiling and it sliced the spire off and then the spire fell and impaled dracula and i'm sure the spire was made of you know, whatever wood or silver or something, and he, yeah, you know, he melted. They were fighting in a church, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't even know where it was. Yeah, probably. And then the other one was, uh, it was the premise was basically predator, but instead of fighting a predator, they were fighting the headless horseman. <laughs> but he can see in heat, even right, though he has yeah. no head. <laughs> yeah. So they were shooting at this guy, right? And then, uh, but he was picking him off with his like bow and arrow. And then they got a, they called in a chopper, and the and the headless horseman shot the chopper down with his bow and arrow it was amazing he shot the rotor wow. with his bow and arrow and the chopper crashed and i was like these dudes have no chance like <laughs> if we could do Mythbusters, i'd love to see like can you really take down a helicopter with a bow and arrow <laughs> i don't know but it, that headless horseman was an eagle eye for a guy that had no head so oh wow he was he was relying on the horse the horse was really in control <laughs> the whole time because it could see and hear and detect really where people were <laughs> crack me up but anyway for for those of you that are a little older you may remember sci-fi originals and they probably still make them today but i think for the most part those have probably been replaced with lower budget netflix movies that people watch it's kind of the same deal it's just that lower budget back then feels a lot lower than maybe a low budget does today oh yeah you can polish so much now with computers and stuff like that back in the day you were pretty limited (laughs) yeah so your earlier point isaac this was a co-production between sunrise and a production company called polestar entertainment and actually, completely coincidentally, I do subscribe to Xeonix uh, Scanlations on Twitter. And the other day, he posted a comment that this was not a Canadian movie. Oh, God. And I've always heard it called a Canadian movie. And I was like, that's interesting. Yeah. Why does he think that? And apparently he said that, you know, this company was uh, American. And I did look into it. And it does seem like that company was based in L.A. It's no longer around. If you, if you Google, uh. you can find the founder. The only real evidence is you can find him the company on kind of like one of those 
websites that infers who's in charge of a company it shows you who's in what position and everything <laughs> who to sue <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's funny you mentioned if, you, that. if you're an attorney who to sue in the corporate structure <laughs> yeah funny you mentioned that because basically the only thing you can find online about this company now is uh some public records about this dude getting sued by multiple people for various you know things related to fraud wow. or or whatnot so perhaps the founder of Polestar is no longer doing very well. I don't really know, but he did have an office. Their office did seem to be in, in Los Angeles. That's it. It does use Canadian locations, Canadian actors, similar to something like Stargate SG-1 or X-Files, uh, which which I think was common for, for lower-budget sci-fi television series and movies back then. So, I don't know. Hmm. Argue amongst yourselves. It seems pretty Canadian to me. I wouldn't have any objection with someone calling it a Canadian production, given it was filmed there. They used yeah. to call Canadian actors. You know, perhaps the money was coming from L.A., but I, I would say it was it was part of the overall, you know, Canadian sci-fi film industry at the time that was very popular. So, you know what? I'm really glad you mentioned that, Brian, because that kind of exonerates Canada in a way, because I was going to come out here swinging. I was going to come out here and say <laughs> that, you know what? Seeing this movie, we can't rely on the Canadians for anything other than like maple syrup and hockey because this was such a bad production. <laughs> but it turns out, based on what you said, that's not really true. You know, the, the production, the failure lies almost solely in American hands. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So, in Japanese hands with Sunrise. Yeah, so. to, to, yeah to, the, to the staff, the Canadian staff, the actors and actresses, to their credit, I, well, we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about this later, but I didn't feel like anybody did horribly, like a bad performance. You know, it was good enough at, at minimal and, you know, good at, at, at best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they did the most they could with what they were given. Yeah. And to be honest, even the script was pretty tight. There wasn't room to really change a whole lot. They definitely no did the most they could in 90 minutes, perhaps too much, and maybe that was part of the problem, right? They tried to like use all this history of Gundam, but make it sort of separate. They didn't even call it Gundam. So then yeah. kind of what are you even really doing you know, and, and things did move very quickly. There were qu- quite a few jump cuts, Isaac, where we just like a lot of time passed and you're like, all right, I yeah. guess they're there now. So this crisis feels like it takes place over like three days and then they're done. <laughs> yeah. The guy goes from uh, nobody to hero to villain to back to hero. And um, yeah, basically three, four days max, I think. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So Isaac, uh, let's summarize this really quickly. I mean, what, what oh, happens boy. in this movie? We have... It's, it takes place in tw- uh, UC, what is it, 223? Oh, wow. That's so far in advance. Yeah. The Federation has fallen. It doesn't sound like a war took it out. It looked like it was just, you know, Soviet Union style where like they were like, well, this doesn't work. So we're going <laughs> to we're gonna have a new government tomorrow. Um, so, yeah. The, no, yeah. no explanation was given, right? They just It was just a stated fact. The Earth Federation has fallen. And has been replaced with this new thing called consent, which is the Congress of Nation States something, something, something. Doesn't I, I think even really it's matter. Congress of Settlement Nations. Oh, Settlement Nations. Okay, there you yeah, go. Yeah, and colonies are no longer called colonies because they've been around so long. Now they're called settlements. Yeah. I don't like the name consent. I think it's a little silly. <laughs> yeah, I I can't say enough things I don't like about it. So it, it sounds like the government's based on Earth, right, as usual. But yes. like Earth isn't really a settlement. So the, the name doesn't really work. I don't know. Maybe they could have called it consensual. And then like the end part would be like, yeah, Universal Alliance League or something. <laughs> I actually feel like the names are backwards, right? The bad guy is consent and the good guy is Gaia and Illuminati. And Illuminati yeah. is, the, is the, you know, usually associated with the secret society that runs the world, which is typically oh. viewed as evil. 
course. So it's odd that they're sort of the bad guys, right? Right. And that absolutely brings me back to my, my earlier comment that there was probably a vision at the start, and this got very different by the end. You know, General Garneau, the villain, I assume, yeah. would have been part of the Illuminati, which was really pulling the strings. Gaia might have been an organization originally that was trying to, you know, Gaia, the goddess of Earth, right? So she's, their organization is trying to create better better food conditions so the, there can be prosperity. Yeah. But the Illuminati, of course, wants to do forced starvation. That's why they want to get rid of this plant-creating bioluminescence formula, whatever. But anyways, the, the quick <laughs> summary is, all right, so we got consent set up in Gaia. The, uh, the whole Earth sphere is going through a food crisis, and uh, there's this little science lab underground working on something, working on this bioluminescence <laughs> program. And uh, Mark Curran, right? Mark Curran, he's a pilot there in his little underwater mobile suit. And for whatever reason, nearby... Consent troops are doing some type of training, and one of them in a mobile suit gets into trouble. Mark jumps in and saves him. Big hero. And who comes to the the little underwater base that they they have their lab at to kind of retrieve this damaged pilot is um, you know his old war buddy Jack. Oh Jack, <laughs> Jack the evil blonde. Oh Man, Jack is just a real Isaac, <laughs> just from top to bottom. Yeah, but he's not in a mask. Like if he was in a mask, we I think we, you and I both would have appreciated. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There would have been a groan, but I would have appreciated it, too. Yeah, we've been like, okay, they're going by the numbers. Good for them. <laughs> General Garno is there. He's kind of a decent guy, too, and he... Oh, wait, no, he doesn't show up at the lab. He shows up at the party. No, that's right. Yeah, right after Jack yeah. arrives, it turns out he's not there to really retrieve the pilot. It's that the pilot was chasing some Gaian, or what they call Gaian rebels, who then break into the sea lab. Yeah. <laughs> which apparently is just very not guarded isaac the, the, these guys break in in scuba suits can you even scuba that far down did that even make i don't know but i'm gonna well i don't know how deep this is right because yeah well actually no oh i don't know i was about to say it has to be deep because it's pressurized and then i was like well technically we don't know how deep it is then i was like well current's suit looks like it's really heavy duty for underwater and then I don't know. Who knows? You just have to kind of nod and go with it. Oh, yeah, you right. can absolutely scuba to the bottom of the ocean and not die. <laughs> <laughs> right. So these rebels break in and they start rummaging through the samples uh, in the in, in the large room labeled experimental module in the lab. N note to self, don't label <laughs> your important stuff on the on the side of your door. Top secret formula. <laughs> So, yeah, they might as well call it that. Uh, so they, they're rummaging through this, and Jack bursts in, and he kills one. his men kill one of them, and he orders them to kill the other ones, but then our hero, Mark, steps in and is like, Jack, what are you doing? You know, this person's unarmed, and that person turns out to be <laughs> Dr. Cynthia Graves, and she's going to be sort of like our, our co-protagonist a little bit. Jack hates Mark so much. Why didn't he just keep shooting? Like <laughs> I don't know. It won't sure. make a difference, you know? It wouldn't, yeah. He could have just killed everyone on the base, and they probably would have gotten away with it. So. Oh, yeah, Garnett would be totally okay with it, I'm sure. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Jack takes Cynthia into custody, and I think that's where we meet Garnett, right? Is at the presidential ball. Right, yeah. Mark is rewarded for his valor <laughs> with green champagne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is sour apple champagne that's very popular in the future. If you, uh. if you have a chance to try it. Mark's wife is also there, or fiancé, I should say. And she's a bit of a social climber, right, Brian? 
Yeah, it's funny you you label her a social climber, Isaac, because uh, Mark really doesn't want to go to this presidential ball. And she says, oh, honey, you need to t- convince these this boys club that I have the political skills to, to join their uh, task force as she, like, straddles him and tries to, you know, like, work him up. And I'm like, <laughs> this chick has all the political skills she needs, apparently. So she's <laughs> definitely a, a ladder climber, this one. Her name's Mimi, by the way. Uh, it took Mimi. me like 45 minutes in the movie to realize her name was Mimi. <laughs> she has an ancestor back in the Earth's history that owned cafes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so they go to this ball, which by the way, Isaac, I think that was, that was like one of the weird things in this movie for me. Mark knows everybody, right? He knows Jack. He seems to be a very famous pilot. The general knows him. And then later on when we meet the Illuminati, the Illuminati guy also knows him. Like Mark <laughs> must have been a famous pilot back in the day. He might have been a comedian because Mark has like a quip in every scene. Like he's a <laughs> yes, he's he is the most sarcastic Gundam pilot I've ever heard. He's not the teenager thrown into a cockpit. He's like an old war hero, not even old, but like you know he's not a fresh recruit. But um, God, he always says something sarcastic or witty or makes a punchline. You know, yeah. I'm always said to the pilot in the water, like hold your breath. You know, and then <laughs> oh yeah, he said you have somewhere else to be or something like that. Yeah. And then the president was talking to Jack at their their big fancy meeting, and and then he was like, "Oh, I guess you got your foot stuck in your mouth, or is that my yeah. foot in your mouth, Jack?" Uh, I was, I just kind of rolled my eyes. I was like, "Oh, they really wanted him to be the the sassy McHero, you know?" Oh, he was sassy McHero, all right. So I think here, here's one of the first things that didn't really make sense to me in the in the film, Isaac. When Mark meets the general, the general really is portrayed to be like a good guy. Yeah, he's skeptical of why Jack killed everyone. And he's like, Mark, you're the only one I can trust. And then we, t- we turn out, turns out that that's not really the case. And he's sort of playing Mark. But that's where I wondered if maybe, to your point, the general, maybe he originally was a, a different character. Or maybe he had a different, maybe he was a good guy. Or maybe he was going to do something different. I don't know. It just seemed like the general it, from the ball and before was different than the general later on. Yeah, he's got a pretty good uh, social mask on. You know, he has a little opinion of the president, but at the ball, he's, you know, very much the the supportive general. And um, he played Mark like a fiddle. <laughs> Mark did, did exactly what he told him to do. And um, speaking of, I don't know who to blame for this, the general or consent in general, no pun intended, <laughs> but the prison is located walking distance from this <laughs> beautiful ball, you know? <laughs> The prison yeah. for for Gaia radical rebels, <laughs> where Cynthia was taken. It's one of those convenient movie things, I suppose. Yeah, that was also very strange, right? That was another weird part in the script where so the general convinces Mark to go talk to this rebel because she's not talking, and he thinks that maybe she'll talk to him because he's not really a soldier anymore. By the way, Mark is a former soldier. Uh, we're gonna find out why he's a former soldier later. So Mark goes and talks to her, and he earns her trust. And Mark really wants to help. He really wants to help solve the starvation problem. And she basically explains that this doctor, who we never actually see in the movie, Isaac, maybe it would have helped if we saw the the doctor no. she kept talking about, Dr. Reva, I believe. <laughs> Dr. McGuffin. Yeah, Dr. McGuffin, <laughs> who resigned from the lab that Mark was on several weeks back. And he had been working on a new bioluminescence that could produce heat and light to enable deep-sea agriculture basically if you could grow food underwater isaac that would give you so much more space to grow food because one of the main problems in food production is there's just not enough space to make it and you know arable land is a big problem right if you you can't you can't over farm the same land and over and over you got to let it replenish a little bit but if you could use all the oceans 
then you could grow so much more food and maybe, you know, do what, I don't know what you'd grow under there, but, um, if Brian, if you know anything about growing plants in the ocean, they need heat. <laughs> they do. You got to so warm up that water. <laughs> so that's where the bioluminescence comes in. And this stuff is going to magically enable deep sea agriculture, which, okay, I, I can, Whatever. I, can we'll I mean, go that seems it. like a fine premise. Uh, but anyway, I guess he couldn't stabilize his compound in water enough to make it work. But this other doctor, Dr. Cynthia Graves, the rebel, she was working with him, and, and he set aside his samples so that she could come look at them. And so she grabs his samples and her sample and puts it together. And what happens, Isaac, when she pours the two <laughs> pours the two vials together? It lights up like a glow stick. <laughs> It lights like a, up like the biggest glow, the brightest glow stick you've ever seen. Yeah, yes, and that's how you grow plants with the glow sticks. They, they love it. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, what happens next, Brian? Now that they have um, the formula, which was located in walking distance of the prison, <laughs> right? So then they try to escape because uh, Mark tries to show Jack, and Jack's not having it. And Jack, he goes, he's going for his gun. And like his men shoot at Mark when he, Mark reaches in his coat to like show him the sample. So now Mark is labeled a, a fugitive. Plus, Jack just kind of wants to kill Mark in general. Jack kind of wants to he, kill everybody. He blew his chance earlier, but anyway. <laughs> he did, yeah. So they escape, and they trot off to side four at New Manhattan. But before they do that, Isaac, we get a quick shot of the general, which was super awkward, and they should have taken it out of the show. Now you know he's evil because he's like on the phone with, with Jack or something. And Jack's like, oh, Mark escaped. And General's like, get her back at all costs. And then you look down and the General is like fondling this like hot Russian girl that's wearing like a military cap or something, but like not much else. It's his hat. That, oh, is it his? Okay. Where did that come from? She's never seen again, Isaac. <laughs> After some green champagne, the General likes to play. All right. <laughs> <laughs> He's a man of taste and pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. By the way, the consent uniforms are super fascist. They they remind oh, me God. of yeah. M. Bison in Street Fighter. <laughs> it's like they took the Titans uniforms and consent was like, you know what? Why don't we just make that the uniform for our entire military? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure they were the same throughout the film. But I felt like as the film went on, they got more and more fascist looking. Like they got, I felt like they just kept adding more emblems and more little designs and more shoulder pads and just not just that but like the goons this is one of the few gundam series that has like federation goons they're the starship troopers from the movie starship troopers so yes they're they're blatantly fascist looking gray uniformed thugs with oversized rifles (laughs) yeah and and when i say like oh they killed this person that that person they like light them up isaac like too many bullets are expended on unarmed (laughs) like people in scuba gear or people on gaia which we'll get to but i don't know much about (laughs) scuba diving but if that oxygen tank hits a stray bullet won't it like possibly hit everybody in the room (laughs) yeah i'm sure some bad things would happen (laughs) did you notice though when jack was like fire away the dude just like unloaded he wasn't even aiming he was just like spraying the room in general (laughs) i was like you're in a you're in a sea lab like don't puncture the (laughs) the wall he'll kill us all Like, also, you wanted the samples in the room. You, you probably just shot them all up. Yeah, I mean, that's why they're down to one sample. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how consent does things, without people's consent. <laughs> yeah. So I I think the, not Easter egg, but the coolest thing I noticed about the movie, Isaac, was when they left uh, Earth for side four, when they went to New Manhattan, did you notice they took off on a mass driver? And the shuttle design was consistent with the shuttles we've seen in other Gundam things. I thought that was neat. 
Yeah, I did. It was pretty cool. They met their little contact guy there. You know, uh, I don't know what his name is. Um, Latino McSidekick. Latino McSidekick. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> just want to point out that the Latino guy on the podcast named him that and not me. <laughs> not the white guy. Brian, this was the 90s, so things were very different. And that's that's kind of all you saw. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, that's still all you saw, uh, still all you see. But um, yes, the colony yeah. itself looks a little different. Did you notice that? It's got like little prongs <laughs> on the mirrors. <laughs> yeah, they tried to spruce up the mirrors a little bit. All in all, I think they did an okay job with the colony. I think the shot showing the city in the colony was not good. That did, that did not no. age well. But again, it felt very sci-fi original. It felt like I was watching an old episode of Stargate. Yeah. But even lower budget, if that makes sense. The tech for colonies advanced while mobile suit tech regressed. Which oh, I've, mobile suits went yeah, way I've, down. I've yeah. heard is the sort of canon explanation that, I mean, the government collapsed. So there, there probably wasn't a ton of money <laughs> for mobile suit development. <laughs> so that's why the, the first mobile suits we see look like very Zionic, kind of cheap looking bugu, bugus, yeah, the bugu- I think they're bugus? called. Yeah. Bugus? They're, they're mono eyes. They're green, and they just look forgettable. But that's what we have, and no beam weapons, just assault rifles. But yes, they make it to the colony, and they meet what is perhaps for the time a very progressive portrayal of Philippe's guard who screens people to see him. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, that was very strange. Yeah, pretty progressive, too, for the time period, I think. Like, you did not really see that. Uh, you know, in 1999, which is great. Right. Um, he was kind of a funny guy, too. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I like that scene where apparently he would gun you down on the spot in this mi- in the <laughs> middle of this club if you got the wrong drink. Or he would, I assume, maybe have you escorted outside to be taken out. Right. Yeah, he really wanted to use that gun that was sitting yeah. on that drink cart. <laughs> it wasn't well hidden either. Like, <laughs> No, no. <laughs> But fortunately, Philippe wisely stays in earshot at each time someone's screened and he comes over and uh, right. he turns out him and Mark are buddies. <laughs> They're old war buddies somehow. And he says, look, I'm, I work in this organization called Illuminati. I thought this was interesting. Guys. He said they started as a private club, but then they just gradually started funding the rebels once uh, things got too bad. So are we just to assume that like Felipe is super rich or like... I don't know. Who's bankrolling these people? Yeah, maybe the organization. I mean, well, okay, if the Earth itself doesn't have the cash to really increase food production, I'm assuming some settlements are financially doing better than others, and the people there were able to pull their money, because as we see later, they have a standing army <laughs> larger yeah. than like a force that the, con- the consent's able to throw together. <laughs> so Yeah, that's true. They reminded me very much of Celestial Being. Oh, yeah. Oil. Yeah, very secretive. Kind of the AUG, but like less scrappy, you know? more. Yeah, like, Mimi yeah. calls them guardian angels of space, which I think was, that's probably a fair description based right. on, the, you know, the 10, the 10 minutes they're in the movie. They're, they're, yeah. <laughs> it's not like we get a whole lot of, you know, the Illuminati. But. No, all we really see is Philippe and then their, their army. <laughs> yeah, he's the highest ranking Illuminati member, I think we see. So yeah. uh, in classic Gundam fashion, Isaac, Philippe reveals the G-Savior to Mark and it's stored in a theater. Like, behind the curtain. Of course. He's just like, boom, I have this thing, and I want you to use it. And you're like, bam, it's a Gundam. And you're just like, holy... Because up until this point, we hadn't seen a Gundam, right? We had seen the Bagoos for, like, five minutes. No, maybe, like, 20 seconds, right? That raises the question of, like, were the Illuminati's mobile suits based on 
the G Savior or is the G Savior something new that they were working on? Like, why is it here other than for the hero to pilot? I did read that it was developed by the Illuminati, but I think in the movie he says something like we based it on something Consent has. So I think they took something Consent had and they, you know, refined it. Okay. But the sound, I felt, I don't know if it was just me, but I felt the sound mixing in this movie was really bad. Like sometimes I could just not hear what the hell the actors were saying. Oh, I had an okay time with it. It just, it had a 90s sound to it, if that makes sense. That won't make sense to anybody that didn't grow up in the 90s. But the clothes, the lighting, it was all very 90s, including the sound. So he says, like, I want you to use this, Mark. Mark's like, I don't really want to. But then they leave New Manhattan, but then they get stuck in a debris field. And Mark has to go out in the G-Savior to clear the debris field, uh, which is something we've seen a few times in Gundam. I think we just saw that in Victory Gundam, actually. The same thing happened, so... I saw this scene and I thought they clearly took this from the asteroid belt in the Empire Strikes Back when the asteroid field, when the Millennium Falcon had to, you know, kind of blast its way through the asteroids. There was quite a few Star Wars references in this yeah. movie. There was also the trash chute escape later on. Yeah. Um, or actually early, earlier in the movie when Mark right. and Cynthia escaped, they jumped down the trash chute. There was also the Mark speech before the final battle, which we haven't got to. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. This is when we learn Mark's backstory, Isaac, which I think is a pretty good backstory, right? Jack was his commanding officer. One of his friends was damaged, and he wanted to go rescue him, but Jack told him not to go because it wasn't worth the risk of destroying his suit. And Mark obeyed for 30 seconds, but then he decided to go rescue him anyway. But he was too late because he had waited the 30 seconds, and he listened to his friend die over the radio. He would have been court-martialed because he disobeyed Jack's orders. But he couldn't really live with himself, so he just quit. He quit being a soldier after that. I thought that was a good backstory. I, I, I bought it. I liked it. Yeah, it felt very, um, because we get kind of audio and like quick screen cuts of it. Do you remember Teen America, the main yes. character, how like his flashback is that like his brother had like raisins in his pocket and like a gorilla <laughs> killed his brother <laughs> to get to the raisins? <laughs> I can picture the flashbacks like of him in bed dreaming about it, but I don't remember the it being about raisins or a gorilla, but I yeah, believe that, that whole That was the backstory. Yeah, and he gets like quick flashes during the movie Teen America and like you hear the audio of like the guy screaming like, yeah. <laughs> As he's murdered by a gorilla trying to get, like, grapes in his pocket or something. But anyway, (laughs) that's very much what this felt like and reminded me of. And I gave a little chuckle because it was, like, cliche war flashback kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) The one thing I noticed here, Isaac, when Mark was piloting the G-Saver is it doesn't have a panoramic cockpit. No, none of them do. Tech has regressed so much. Yeah, it feels like one-year war shoots all over again. I mean, I guess I would assume part of that is due to the limitations of the cg they just kind of move awkwardly and slowly and whatnot like if you watch this and i told you that this was universal century 223 you would not believe me you would think these are proto mobile suits from like the origin yeah or some other show or something they were just what'd you call them fighter bots <laughs> yeah b- bot fighters or something like that bot yeah, fighters. there you go it's mech war yeah they very much move like um oh, i don't even know what i wanted to compare it to they're just slow <laughs> The sound effects remind me of the sound effects from Power Rangers, the movie, the first one. Yeah. Yeah. America had this concept of if there was a robot on the screen, they constantly had to be making like gear churning noises. Yeah. A whirring (laughs) noise as like it rotates or lifts the arm. (laughs) I was like, it's okay. I get it. Like it's a robot. It's okay. I need to, I need to hear what the characters are saying. Could we not have the whir (laughs) noise right now? If we can hear it from outside the cockpit, it must be deafening inside this. (laughs) They have no hearing left whatsoever. (laughs) 
So this is when we learn consent does not want to solve the starvation problem, Isaac. They want to keep people starving so that they can maintain control over them, basically. The consent yeah. apparently already controls the, the uh, settlements that are responsible for agriculture. And so if other settlements get a hold of this, they can make their own stuff and they don't need consent anymore. Therefore, their power, uh, you know, their leverage, their control over their sphere declines and they would probably lose power. That's kind of the plot. So this this general does not want that sample to get out, and he's going to do everything he can to uh, get it back. Or I guess he wants it just to have it. He could just destroy it, right? But no, I mean, I yeah. Why didn't he destroy it on the spot? That's a good point. I don't know. Yeah, he did kind of explain himself, right? Like, oh, Julius Caesar and Genghis Khan, you know, like, uh, we're going to use forced starvation. Something about forced starvation, which I guess at. Uh, at a glance, you can, okay, well, absolutely control people by deciding who eats and who starves. But then at the same time, if you keep along that line of thinking, won't you come to the realization that, you know what? The hungry people are probably going to form a standing army to, like, go into <laughs> open rebellion. So I'm not sure this is exactly the right way to keep in power. <laughs> but anyway. Plus, if, if yeah. all of your people die, who are you really controlling? So Yeah, just I don't the know. fed people. <laughs> That was also one of the reasons that the president of Gaia, Cynthia's dad, turns out, he was like, I don't understand why they don't want this mutually beneficial thing. <laughs> he had yeah. a very pragmatic approach of like, why don't you just want people to eat? What's wrong with you? If anything, the government would be more stable if people are eating. <laughs> <laughs> right. People would be full. They'd be happy. You'll take credit. Complaints. Yeah. <laughs> but no. Evil yeah. general. Yes. Here's the part of the movie I think makes like the least sense to me, Isaac, and that's Mimi in general. Because in the beginning, she like wanted to be this ladder climber or climb other things. But then before they left, right, she went and got the data from the consent database and said they they knew about this guy's work and they've been hiding it, Mark. And she gave it to the rebels. And then she went off with Mark and the rebels. But then Mark starts, you know, he kisses Cynthia. And that was kind of a dick move on his part. Oh, for both of them. Cynthia's a yeah. homewrecker and Mark is yeah. just a scumbag. <laughs> yeah, he probably should have broke up with Mimi first. So she sees that, then she gets mad, and she goes and she active. She goes full villain mode, full like crazy Gundam female villain mode. Isaac and activates the anti debris guns on the colony <laughs> from like the the hotel computer. <laughs> yeah, from a random computer, which apparently she must be a hacker because or She's everyone great. else can activate yeah. the satellite guns. And she aims them at a consent ship that's in orbit because uh, they were like, you know, we know you have Mark Curran, give him back to us because they're on Gaia now. By the way, I thought that villain turn was way too quick, but then later on. Consent comes, the general comes with Jack. He's like, we're getting that stuff back. Bring all your mobile suits. Let's go attack them. They come in. They board the place. She takes the sample from Cynthia and meets the general there. Basically called them. Yeah. She was vital to General Garneau's plan. The more... Right. Yeah. He, he would have had nothing if it wasn't for mm -hmm. her. And so then she's like, you're not going to just not use it, right, General? You just want to control it. And he's like, no, why would, why would I do that? I'm just not going to use it. Like, you know, I, I want to maintain control. <laughs> And she's like, oh, and like her world is shattered. Yeah. And then she secretly gives the, the thing back to Cynthia and, and, and leaves with the general. I don't understand. She's ping-ponging all over the place. Right, yeah. I mean, she was such a great double agent, right? She was planted in deep, keeping an eye on Mark, setting things up, going with them to Gaia. Do you think, so was she a double agent the whole time? Yeah, she was. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. I thought... There's okay. no way she couldn't because she was aware enough of the situation that she would be able to, again, as a spy, have the skills to use almost any computer to hack into Gaia's defense system and take control of their turrets. And then from there, contact Garneau. And then from there, know absolutely what Garneau's up to and be waiting for him at the, the landing bay. But see, I thought she only did that because she saw Mark kissing Cynthia. 
I don't know. I, I so feel you're, like you're saying she would have done all that regardless. Yeah, I think so. Okay, maybe maybe not with such scorn. Um, <laughs> mm. but but yeah, I assume she's a double agent. I, I that's kind of my head canon. Interesting. Okay. It does seem odd that she didn't grasp what Garno was really intending. It kind of would have been better if Garno maybe told her, like, of course I'm going to use it to help people. And then, like, Jack's near him, and he tells Jack, you know, oh, this stupid woman or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that she overhears or something, yeah. Right, but um, in, in a way, Mimi becomes a hero because, you know, she she does return the bioluminescence formula, and then she does apologize to a... Or tell Cynthia to relay her apologies. Cynthia the homewrecker. <laughs> but she kind of goes on a suicide mission at that point because she... I guess because she feels bad. Uh, I don't think it was a suicide mission so much at that point, but like the suicide at that point, she was okay with the suicide with the with the ship being destroyed. Yeah, she wasn't a bummed about it at all. She was laughing as she died. Yeah, well, uh, her and the general take a guy in craft to mm-hmm. leave this colony when they're under attack, and obviously the consent forces see a guy in craft and they blow it up, and she's like, "Haha, you're gonna be destroyed by your own forces," and then they actually shoot the ship, and so Mimi dies with the general. But yeah, she's laughing about yeah. it, Isaac. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she felt like she, she'd played her hand in life and that was kind of it. Like the man of her dreams, you know, the man she loved and was going to be married to turned out to cheat on her. So that's done. Right. Uh, career-wise, yeah. you know, she turned out to be, um, you know, holding onto the coattails of a potential mass, you know, genocider. So that was done. Right. So you know what? If things didn't work out. Let's just go down with the ship, literally. <laughs> she did. She went down. This whole time, by the way, the consent forces are fighting like the useless GMs that the Gaia forces <laughs> sent out, and then they clobbered them. And oh, by the way, the, the consent forces were all AI. They were called Rise. A lot of them were, yeah, yeah. yeah the Rays or the Rise. For Jack, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jack piloted a real one. Yeah, yeah. We should talk about the Mecha, I guess. Before we talk about the Mecha, I have to point out the consent had such a low opinion of Gaia. They sent one capital ship. <laughs> <laughs> Which, in, if you watch Gundam, n- nobody sends one ship to take a colony. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess in their defense, Gaia's a pretty uh, hippy-dippy colony, right? Yeah, I mean, they had a good assessment. They just weren't counting on the Illuminati showing up. Yeah. But anyways, pl- please continue with the Mecha. <laughs> oh, yeah, so the Mecha. So one thing overall for this show, or this, this movie, I guess, is the line art for the Mecha is much better than the CG in the actual film. If you were to look at the line art... This actually looks like a Gundam show. Wow. So Isaac, I just sent you the Bagoo. That's a Bagoo. That looks cool. That looks like a real Gundam shoot. Absolutely. This is, they're actually called Freedoms. The Freedoms that Gaia was using, they're, they're older Earth Federation suits. They're called Freedoms. It's supposed to look cool and blue and white. That Pretty actually nice. looks like the evolution yeah. of something we saw in Victory Gundam. These both look good. These both look a little seed, but like not in a bad way. You know? Right. I actually have that same comment as well. So if you look at the G-Savior, and then we have the G-Savior that Mark is using, the line art for the G-Savior looks great. It looks straight out of seed. It looks like it could be standing next to the Aegis Gundam. Oh, yeah. Freedom or whatever. Yeah. And even the ground version of G-Savior looks much more like a UC Gundam. Look at this thing. Wow. I like the color even. Very pure. So the CG does no favors to the mobile suits, unfortunately. And that's probably just a limited based on the limitations of the time. Uh, and this was actually kind of sad, right, Isaac? So they, they're like, Mark, we need to, you to lead our people into, into battle. So he takes 40 of their freedoms. I think they have 40. He makes people break up into squads, and then he directs them when they go out. And they just get absolutely murdered, Isaac, by the rays. Yeah. Shouldn't he have gone out with them to lead the attack? Why did he just let them all go? I, maybe as, like, the only person who's close to being an officer. They wanted him on, like, the command center or something. Could be, but, man, they needed some help. So they yeah. were losing terrible. Mark goes out. He, he duels Jack. Jack is piloting a, a ray. 
and this is what the ray is supposed to look like. What was weird about that too was that like Gaia didn't have a standing force at all. It was like, oh, these are engineers and farmers. We drafted them. Sounded like they were in consensus crosshair for a while, so they should have had at least some organized force. Right. But man, the rays look pretty cool. I felt really bad when the we found out the one team was made up of farmers. Like they, yeah. they weren't gonna win either. <laughs> Not against these things. The rays, they're like they're very much designed to look sinister. They're like an evil kind of insect praying mantis predator thing. I like them. So Mark and Jack have a pretty neat duel. They fight on the mirrors of the colony, which I thought was neat. Yeah. Mark's hand gets caught, you know, in the mirror debris, and he ejects the armor, which is kind of like a feature of the G-Savior. He disables Jack. He doesn't kill him, because I guess Mark's a hero. He's not going to kill Jack. But he does defeat him pretty soundly. And then the Illuminati comes through and saves, you know, the rest of the Gaia forces. So Philippe comes through in the I-Savior, which they don't really mention in the in the show or in the film. But the the eye savior line art looks really cool. It's like a skeletal G savior. Yeah. Check that out. So like slender and lean. It's just like it, very difficult to hit. <laughs> yeah. But the line art again looks way neater. Yeah. The line art is often just different colors than what was in the show too. Like I don't. <laughs> all the ones in the show are just this brown blob color, which is like not visually exciting, Isaac. No. Uh, like a blurriness. Yeah. Around each mobile suit because of the nature of the CG at the time, and it wasn't great. They seemed like very action figures. Stop motion fighting almost. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just the CG at the time. But you, you got to just be disappointed, right? If you're Sunrise or you're Mr. Okawara who did the designs, if you submit those designs and then you watch that movie, you're like, man, that is not like that is not what I emailed you. <laughs> like, I, t- I don't know. Maybe at the time. Well, I guess, yeah, the line art compared to the, the actual result. But at the same time, the overall production might have been like, oh, this is top of the line stuff back in the day, you know? Could be. Could be. Yeah. I can't believe the Illuminati brought a force double the size of Garno's forces. But to, Gar- yeah. to Garno's credit, he immediately wants to retreat. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He had no chance at that point. The Illuminati, I feel like, should have been there sooner. Yeah, I mean, there's only one place Garno's going to go. <laughs> so, right, you, unless, you know where he's going. Yeah, unless they're already on the way or they gather their forces and, like, you know, leaving by the time Mark was on his way to Gaia. It just took them that long to reach there. So Mark defeats Jack. The Illuminati helps Gaia defeat the rest of the Rays. And basically all is well, Isaac. Cynthia Graves, the doctor, she ended up with the sample. Her and Mark go back to Earth, presumably to, you know, live happily ever after. I assume everyone gets to eat. Maybe they will use this to solve the food crisis. But I guess we don't know. Maybe we need to go play the video game, Isaac, to see what uh, see what happens afterwards. Oh, boy. Yeah, it just ends, and Gaia declares, like, independence or something. Yeah, but they were kind of independent already, weren't they? It seemed to be, or at least we're on, like, a kind of gray zone. Yeah, I know there was pressure, right, for the president of consent to, like, yeah. make them come under consent authority, but I got the sense that they were already independent. But then right. you're right, they just proclaimed independence again. So it's like, okay. Yeah, they had to be already effectively independent because otherwise consent would already be there right i agree there'd be troops there or something but yeah it ends cynthia and mark go to earth (laughs) i'll give props to that guy in president isaac that actor because he went hard on that victory speech about it being their finest hour and remembering their comrades and and their ending famine (laughs) they had him watch the president's speech from independence day (laughs) that's exactly what i thought he was doing his best bill pullman impression he was like i'm gonna nail this like this is my this is my independence day moment and um you know, relative to the movie, I think he did a good job. Yeah, yeah. He was one of the stronger actors in the in the movie. Also, shout out to General Garno, whose like hobby is filling his office with a piece of historical memorabilia from every every war ever, that ever happened. 
<laughs> I did not notice that. What did he have in his office? He had like knight's armor and samurai armor and like a sword from like the Civil War and like a musket, like <laughs> just like laying around his office and like sitting on his desk too. Oh, did you Man. notice the General Garno? Like to change the channel, you snap at your TV. <laughs> oh, I did, well, I didn't notice that, but I did notice when Mark said like image on and then like it turned on. So yeah, they were trying their best to like f- futurize this uh this world hundreds of years in the future they'll be able to talk to your tv <laughs> or snap at it now we can talk to our tv but it just steals all of our data when we do it so. oh there you go uh, so so ends g savior which was a decent sci-fi movie but a bad gundam story <laughs> i think it's par for the course for a sci-fi original i think they got a lot done in roughly 90 minutes cg was okay in some parts very bad in other parts it definitely made the mobile suits like look not good I think the budget could really be felt in some parts. But to your point, I think the actors did fairly well. I think it has some weird parts with the general, the interrogation with Mimi. Not as bad as I remember, but I also now realize why I didn't remember any of this movie (laughs) coming back into it. (laughs) Did you remember a lot of this when you rewatched it? Yeah, I remember Garno. I remember something about bioluminescence. Um, I vaguely remember the consent using an AI mobile suit force. Oh, okay. I remembered the bioluminescence and like the... A part of it took place underwater. Okay, and and that the G Savior yeah. like jettisoned its armor at some point. I remember the G Savior really only fighting at the end, and then of course the good guys winning. And I remember um the the Garno Mimi shuttle going down. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't remember that part at all. Yeah. yeah. So, how do you feel about this film as a direction for the UC? Because it's it's perfectly plausible that the Federation falls. I think we yeah. they were on that path in in Victory Gundam. But right. That was a question I had for you. Did you did you really need to replace the Federation with consent? Because consent is like totally evil. I don't see why that couldn't have just been the Federation. Yeah, or just a different name or something. But I'm not sure this this movie being the first appearance of consent was a good idea. Probably a series would be better to tell the creation of consent and like the final fall of the Earth Federation. But this movie does hit some Gundam tropes in a way, or at least some common Gundam themes, which to to its credit is food. If you remember in Double Eighty Three, the whole point of Operation Stardust was to attack the Earth Federation's food supply. A, a few other Gundam series, food is a big issue. I think in Iron Blooded Orphans, they did kind of mention like food riots and food problems, right? Double O as well because of the whole solar energy thing. So the writing for Gundam really does involve a food crisis every once in a while, and they really took that and ran with it in this uh, this series, but just decided to have a very scientific solution. Yeah, I don't I don't have any problem with the food angle mm-hmm. and the fact that the federation fell like that kind of makes sense yeah. to me as an end product though that you would want people to watch i don't know if this is it though no especially gundam fans because the tech felt like such a regression and i know the the animation might be at fault for that but kind of hand waving and saying look tech has regressed over 200 years <laughs> uh, doesn't really feel like a realistic situation for uh, mobile suits and stuff but i do kind of like how they dropped the colony name that always felt like a good way to show that look there's a lot of progress at a certain point it's, it's not a colony you know, it's just where you live. Yeah, I have no problem with that. So I think on the rewatch, I'm less perturbed by the plot and more just the end product, I'll say. And maybe the execution. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like there were good, interesting pieces on the chessboard. Like uh, Illuminati. Yeah. What consent should be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Gaia. 
and G Save Gundam Savior sounds like just a cool name. I wish it was better. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it's just a cool name. Again, the line art looks pretty good, though. You know, if, if you redid this today, I think it would look a lot closer yeah. to the original design. So now that I think about it, the Rise kind of feel like a step in technology because the Earth Federation never went with the fully uh, autonomous weapon. Yeah, yeah, definitely feels, you know, yeah. mobile dolls, right? It might have old weapons, but it itself is is new technology. They just Garno made a fatal mistake. You'd never take just one ship. <laughs> right, right. If he had like 50 or something, you know, he could have mopped the floor with the Illuminati, <laughs> but no. <laughs> no, just one. Yeah, even the weapons really were very basic, right? There were rifles and some sabers, and that's it. No bits, no wire-guided anything, no missile pods. Very, no. very basic. And that was probably animation limitation, but at the same time, if you're setting this this far into the future, we kind of expect some more fireworks, I think. Would you have enjoyed the movie more, Brian, if at the end Garno gets in a mobile armor? Um, I think I would have groaned a bit. I, uh, <laughs> I, I don't believe him as a pilot, but maybe. I could see that. Maybe the duel between Mark and Jack could have been a little longer. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, because like Jack's Rye had like these big leg booster things on it. And I was like, oh, he's going kind of Zeong on it. But then like he jettisoned those or somewhere and his Rye just looks like a normal Rye. Yeah, they look exactly the same, his versus the the other ones. So I don't know. It is what it is. So Isaac, how many Haros would you give this film? (sighs) Oh boy. I'd give G Savior. Ooh. Two out of five horrors, and that's because it's not a horrible train wreck. It's kind of decent to average sci-fi. But um, if you're a Gundam fan, I almost feel like it's mandatory viewing, even though we know it's not great. But it is kind of the only live action at this moment. It, you kind of have to go through, check it out, and yeah, give yourself a chuckle. You know, every few scenes <laughs> as things happen. You know, it really just needed a Haro here and there. Like, like he should have carried around a Haro the whole movie. Oh, like yeah. it talks to yeah, him and go. stuff. You know, or they put the, yeah. the formula in the Haro. <laughs> yeah, the the one girl that was helping Cynthia, the uh, Co- Kobe, I think yeah. was her name. She should have had a Haro. I feel she like sh- she would be a Haro. She person. should have been Haro. Uh- <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> How about you? Uh, I think I give it five out of ten horrors. I agree with Isaac. It was a it was a decent attempt, but it was low budget. I think this is what you get when you go low budget, and it is twenty three years old, twenty four years old, even longer if you consider when they started production, which was nineteen eighty five. So it's an older movie, low budget. You're dealing with CG. It's just not going to age well sometimes, and I think Mobile Suit Combat is just one of those things that's not going to age well, especially if you put it alongside live action things, right? Right. Like you can still watch Beast Wars today and it's okay if you after about a half hour you know you you kind of adjust to it but when you have live action people right next to you it's a lot more jarring yeah the plot is better is better than i remember but overalls and products execution is so so and i don't think it's something that you know a lot of fans would, would be looking forward to but i agree with isaac mandatory viewing so if you haven't seen it Go type it into YouTube and uh, spend 90 minutes. You too can see G Savior. So, so you actually do recommend it. <laughs> well, I think they should go watch it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's worth it if you're a fan. <laughs> you got to check the box. You know, it's it's the latest thing we have, and you see that's in a live action or an animated format. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's arguable. Again, they're not selling it to you, so you can't really buy it. So we don't really know if they still like it or not. I think it's a joke amongst even Sunrise, where they just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I want G Saver too. <laughs> save harder there you go (laughs) all right isaac take us away all right listeners before you go to sleep tonight stand next to your bed get on your knees put your hands together look up at the ceiling and hail consent good night everybody make sure you turn on your bioluminescent nightlight (laughs) 